Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. Check, check one, two. We already did that, Ow. girl. <laughs> season we six. did that season <laughs> six. We did that five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, welcome to season six of our show. Hurrah! Hurrah! I, I mean, you heard our last episode. Obviously, if you tuned in to our trail map and you got to learn all about the parks that are going to be a part of season six, and our first is Mammoth Cave. <laughs> you that was started, a lot of different accents. You started out from like <laughs> from like I'd say maybe South London, and then you migrated over to like Perth. Uh huh. Wait, that's in Australia, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I did. It was like an accent roller coaster mm-hmm. there. You were like Adele, and then suddenly Olivia Newton John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> May she rest mm-hmm. in peace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we are starting with Mammoth Cave. I and, know. Um, yeah, tell me what your relationships to tight spaces are. And claustrophobia. I'm uh-huh. going to also add and claustrophobia. And claustrophobia. <laughs> Otherwise, this becomes a much uh, less clean podcast. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure we could dive deep into the conversation about tight spaces. Okay, so tight spaces and claustrophobia. Um, It's not like a debilitating fear. It doesn't like, you know, coat my entire experience in dread the way that heights does. Mm-hmm. Um, don't love them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I feel like I've told this story on the show before mm. about seeing that movie The Descent. Oh yeah. And watching them crawl like through extremely small narrow spaces, mm-hmm. moving like one inch at a time. And then they hear like a rumble and I'm just like, at any point in time, something could like obstruct your ability to either move, your ability to continue on, or your ability to go back the way you came, and then you're stuck and you starve forever. You know what I mean? Like, Or the cave creatures get you. Or in the case of that film, the humanoid cave creatures do come and get you. But Mm -hmm. uh, no, I don't love it, but like elevators don't bother me. Yeah, yeah. You know, how about you? No, it's never something that has really struck a chord in my fear guitar, mm-hmm. as it were. I feel like I've read books or seen, you know, movies or TV shows where a character is like claustrophobic and that plays very much so into the plot of the, you know. And I'm like, I just can't identify with this because I do not, this is not something I experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Just in the same way that like, I think for me, heights was not a thing for a very long time until we went to Morrow Rock where I really had like a height yeah. based fear experience. I mean, that being said, I'm not jumping out of a plane anytime soon and skydiving, nor am I fully involving myself in karst geomorphology school true although one day perhaps but yeah there was something very comforting about being in the cave system that we were in it just feels like it this was is... also huge yeah it was a very big very open cave and you'll it's hear obviously like more about it but yeah squeeze. but yeah it's different it's different from some other caves that we've been into that we'll also talk about the season there was something that was just very like it didn't feel confining at all it felt like oh okay i'm with somebody I know who knows the way out, 
Yeah, there's room to stretch my body, and so I didn't feel like I was that I was too squished or scrunched at sure. any point. Yeah, my grandmother, she's claustrophobic. Mm. She doesn't like elevators. She rides on them when she has to, but she doesn't like them. Mm-hmm. And I know that I've had other family members who have passed and in their like final wishes are like, I'm claustrophobic. I can't be in a, oh, a coffin in a box, yeah. for you know, eternity. eternity or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, please don't do that to me. That's fascinating yeah. to me. I'm like, I get it, but also. Right. But also I'm a little bit like, like I also understand <laughs> the like want to like, not be like put in a dark box and buried in the ground. Oh yeah. I mean, you know what I burn mean? Burn me like, up or make me into a tree. I get yeah. it. But like, I mean, isn't death enough? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, what, what are, are you afraid, afraid of? of? A fate, fate worse than, than death? death? No, just, just death. death. Isn't, isn't that, that enough? enough? <laughs> I'm looking for adventure. I want to follow on the trail. Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky Don't wake the sun, there's so much to be done And the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real You can feel, you can open your eyes And open your heart when you gaze At the National Park National follow you, I'll follow you there. At the National Park. 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 At the the Cherokee, Shawnee, and the Yuchi people. So real quick, welcome to season six. We did already say that in the, you know, cold open of this episode mm-hmm. of Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast. It's I'm true. Dusty. And I'm Mike. That's right. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Welcome to this space where we talk mm-hmm. about national parks, specifically hiking trails and national parks. Right. And other things. Of and many ilks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And alks. Elks. And elks. And elks. We have talked about <laughs> we elks. We have talked about elks, um, yes. Yeah, our slogan is, this is the show that gives you... One hiking trail and one national park, one park at a time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Currently, we are on Mammoth Cave. We are on and Mammoth Cave. welcome to Mammoth Cave. Mm-hmm. What a fascinating... Park space. Oh. Yeah. There's no way we're going to be able to cover all of the fascinating components of all that is Mammoth Cave. No. But in short, oh my goodness, go visit. Right. And lucky for y'all, you know, while we can't uncover or play expert to what it is to visit Mammoth Cave, experience Mammoth Cave, know the history of Mammoth Cave. We happen to have someone who is a spectacular body of knowledge about Mammoth Cave who will be able to do that for all of us. Who's coming to the show. Who's coming to the show. Very soon. So... Yeah. yeah. Um, exciting things. Very excited. Excited about caves in general because mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to explore caves on the show yet. No. Caves are something that definitely, I guess maybe the cold open should have been or could have been. What has your experience with caves been prior to our caving experiences in the national parks? Well, because... I do have to say before we I answer that question, mm-hmm. I do need to acknowledge the fact that if you're hearing popping and if you're hearing loud Locking sounds, and dropping. They, right? <laughs> um, there are some people who have made the choice to do fireworks in the middle of August, because that's where... It's the end of August, dear. It's the end of August mm-hmm. right now. Outside, for reasons I'll never understand, mm-hmm. other than they think they're they great. They want to kill birds. But I am not a fan of fireworks. Nope. I'm okay if we never, ever do fireworks again. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I think of when I think of fireworks? I think of, right, birds dying. Mm-hmm. I think of animals, particularly dogs, who are just, like, traumatized. Mm-hmm. Air pollution. And air pollution. And I also think of gender reveal 
trivial parties that make forest fires. Yep. So that is yeah. what I think. Yeah. I feel like it's a uh, send in the drones. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was when I was working today. That song was an send in on the clowns. Send in the clowns oh. was an on hold mm. song for um someone I called today. Send in the clowns. I was like, wow. They got the rights to mm-hmm. Sondheim up in here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, what was your experience with caving before we came to caving in the national parks? Caves. I mean, well, grew up in Mississippi. Not that there's a ton of caves there. I don't know if there are caves there or not. I never really went into any. You weren't any. a cave explorer. Not in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. However, the closest national park that we had was Great Smoky Mountains. Those are mountains, obviously. But not far from there are some caves Mm -hmm. that one can experience. And I did Ruby Falls, which is a site that people go to and see all the time when you're going from Chattanooga to Gatlinburg. But it's inside of a cave. So you have to travel through a cave in order to see it. it. And it's like a pretty spectacular waterfall that's inside of a cave. Hmm. Look at you. So that's been my cave experience caver that's right up in here up i feel in like here. that's what you've been saying a lot this episode is up in up in up in that's right um what about you i did some caving experience with my brother's boy scout troop when i was a kid because i think my mom was or cub scout troop because my mom was like a den mother or did something of that effect or we just went on the trips with them it was i was very young but i do remember going to a few caves and finding them to be like really interesting but those are like the vague past memories that stretch beyond my memory keeper's daughter's limit weren't there caves in shenandoah like near where we were in Loray. Oh, the Loray Caverns. The Loray Caverns. But we didn't do them. But we didn't yeah. do them. Yeah. Which we should. At some Perhaps point. Perhaps when we head back to Shenandoah. Mm-hmm. Lady Loray will be calling our night. Maybe so. She will. Um, so yeah. So Mammoth Cave was long on our list of parks to visit. So this trip that you're hearing about to Mammoth Cave was part of our large 10-park, five-week national park road trip that we did in the summer of 2021. And this season will sort of wrap up all of the rest of those parks That's that true. we hadn't talked about yet, along with some other ones that we've more recently um, been party to visit. That's right. It was part of like the eastern swing of this section of our trip. We had left New Jersey and traveled sort of across the top of the states all the way to Glacier, to Glacier in Montana. Then we came down through Wyoming, then over to South Dakota doing parks along the way, and then eventually finally down to Missouri and then Kentucky, which brought us here yep. to Mammoth Cave. Mm-hmm. So it was toward the end of our trip. Yeah. I'd say like it last was- Last week and a half, maybe. In the last week and a half, yeah. yeah. In order to see Mammoth Cave, you have to have tickets to actually go into the cave. There are miles of above ground trails, but part of the allure of this park is the cave itself. So it's something that you want to do, and it's something that you should look into to and book well in advance of your visit so you're not missing out. You can book your tickets on recreation.gov and while you can buy tickets when you get to the park, you may not be able to get them day of and even if you are, the pickings might be slim. That's right. There are tours mm-hmm. that you can book yourself on mm-hmm. where you can There's see a number of them. different parts of the caves. Yes. So that is what we did. Now, um, every national park is very different. Every national park does ticketing and tours in completely different ways. And or not at all. Sometimes. Or not at all. Yeah. And up to the park staff of how they decide to arrange that. And um, just because something else is also a cave doesn't mean they're going to operate in the same way. And in this example, Wind Cave right. um, operates totally differently. Yeah. Like in order to see... Like, they're entirely like, or at least when we went there, day of, show up, make a line, and if you're not in the line, then you don't get a ticket kind of thing. Essentially, yeah, yeah, it was very strange. And I mean, we'll talk more about this when we talk about Wind Cave this season. But yes, a very different process for um, getting into the caves. So it's definitely, and again, things may have shifted since we've been there two years ago. And by the time you listen to this podcast in the year 2050, things might be very different too. So, you know, when we're on season 55 of this show, 
but that doesn't track math wise. But anyway, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But anyway, um, so we did when we were doing our booking ahead of time. We booked two tours for Mammoth Cave, and that included the River Sticks and the History Tour. In this leg of our travels, our last like week and a half, because of the scale of the parks that we were visiting in this band of parks, so that includes Badlands, Wind Cave, Gateway Arch, and Mammoth Cave, we tended to kind of make our visits to each of those parks only a day or two. Um, we'd spent a lot of time earlier, probably in our first four or five parks, with at least like multi-day trips, like three to four days up to a week. But we were kind of down to a day or two in each of these spaces because they were smaller and they were a little bit more digestible in that amount of time. While we do love hiking trails and we do try to prioritize them, when it came to visiting Mammoth Cave, we really wanted to spend as much time in the cave as possible. There are some great hiking trails up on ground level. They are in and around the Green River. There are over 60 miles of trails up there that one could do. And I'm sure they're wonderful and beautiful. We've heard that they're great, but we did not get to do them. And so none of our episodes will be about any of the trails up on the ground level at Mammoth Cave. Part of the reason for that too, that we didn't hike in the park, even though maybe we would have, um, is that in order to get to the other side of Mammoth Cave National Park, it's sort of divided into like two sections, two thirds of it is north of the Green River and a third of it is kind of in the south and that's the section where the cave actually is the visitor center is and there are some small trails there but you have to cross the Green River using a ferry that which at the time was down and that made it difficult to get to the north side from what I saw you could drive around and it's not prohibitively long but the Green River ferry does make it very easy for you to go from like Green River Road in the south side of the park to Green River Road on the north side of the park otherwise you're just driving like an extra half hour to kind of get all the way around. So this was also part of the reason we didn't do any hiking. So on this morning, we were leaving St. Louis and it was a five hour drive. We had gotten up very, very early because we had a time for our tour Mm -hmm. and we wanted to make sure to arrive with time to spare so that we could have our visitor center moment. But we were leaving St. Louis because we'd gone there to do Gateway Arch National Park, which you'll be hearing about later this season. But yes, our tour was at 1130. We were able to get up not terribly early, not as early as we've gotten up before. No, but we were still up pretty early. But we did have to leave around 5 a.m. Yeah. In order to get there. I do remember I drove first. Yeah. And then I think we switched. Mm-hmm. So we were hustling and we didn't make a lot of stops along the way. We did stop at a gas station probably like a half an hour from the park and we had plenty of time to spare but it felt good to finally start getting a little further east yeah because we had been so far west in previous weeks on this trip yeah yeah we were starting to really feel it in our bones oh i think also just the space between things out west versus the space between things in the east was like oh my gosh it was like there's more people here and there are things as opposed to these gigantic open spaces which are beautiful in their own right but very different for for an Easterner heading out west. So we sort of had an insider in regards to Mammoth Cave um, and someone who you're going to hear from in two separate episodes this season. His name is Bruce Hatcher. Bruce was a listener of our show who happened to do a lot of work with Mammoth Cave. He was someone who was incredibly, incredibly gracious with his time and his expertise regarding the cave. So when we told him what our plan was and we had been in correspondence with him on our trip because we told him we were coming, he had suggested that we cancel the history tour saying that we essentially were going to get a lot of this on the River Styx tour and that we would meet up with him post the River Styx tour and do some caving with him. So when we got to the visitor center, um, we parked and we made our way inside. Um, It was pretty crowded already. Yeah, it was really crowded. It was clear that, you know, Mammoth Cave is a hot spot and people visit and people like to visit. We took care of the business that we needed to take care of. Like we were able to, uh, to cancel that one history tour. Also, this was a visitor center where you could distinctly see the difference between like the park shop where you 
would buy things that were in and would support the park versus the shop that's just like has stuff that one could buy that doesn't support the park. Both of these things exist in this visitor center. So the park shop was over to the right. So I did get a t-shirt in there Mm -hmm. because um, the t-shirts were cute. Mm -hmm. After working to cancel our tour um, at the desk, we also talked to the rangers. These were the folks that let us know that it would be difficult to kind of get to the north side and hike on that side. And we also got a chance to go through the exhibit here, which I thought was a great exhibit. It was was a really good exhibit. Very engaging, very interactive. And we actually got to see some photos of Bruce within the exhibit. That was fun. That was cool. Because he does a lot with the park. Again, things you'll hear about in a later episode or two. That's right. Mm -hmm. So when it was time for us to finally get to the tour, we headed on over to an outside pavilion to, it was Shelter A, Mm -hmm. is what it was called. And that was where our tour was leaving from. Um, There are a few outdoor shelters here where tours leave from. We met the ranger to congregate with the group that um, was going on the tour. Our rangers' names were Ranger Dave and Ranger Emily. They were amazing. Mm -hmm. We loved them. Big fans. They did let us know that the tour we were on was going to be about 90 minutes long. So to make sure to use the bathroom now. Yeah, essentially. Which I did. Mm -hmm. So some things to note about caves and some things, specifically Mammoth Cave, and some things that don't need to go into the cave um, include backpacks, walkers, strollers, backloading baby carriers, front-loading carriers are fine, firearms, and flash photography. So you can take photographs in the cave, but it is tricky. Um, It involves a long exposure to allow the light to come through. It basically has to be still. So if you're holding it in your hand, you're holding your camera in your hand, you have to, even if it's an iPhone camera, you have to be very still with it. Otherwise, you get a very shaky photo. And there's basically no way you're bringing a tripod on this tour to set up and try to take photos because it would like hold the group up. So yeah. Also note that while there are uh, parts of the cave that are accessible to all people of all kinds of mobility, there are quite a few spots that are would definitely be strenuous or difficult for people with limited mobility. Also, temperature. It was very hot. This was July. Yeah. We had been hiking above ground during very... For like three weeks, basically. Yeah, hot months. Mm-hmm. Um, we were excited to go underground <laughs> and get some natural air conditioning. Yeah. yeah, that I found to be like totally true. It oh, was yeah. so much cooler inside. Yeah, it was like a 40 cave. degree drop of temperature. Yeah. So it's and like... who was complaining? Well, it's kind of wild to... I mean, we were grateful because we had everything with us in the car because we hadn't stopped at an Airbnb. We hadn't stopped at our place where we were staying. Oh, no. And wait till y'all hear about that. So we, we definitely you know, had long sleeves and other things with us. So we were able to just have that, which was good in our jackets. So you will need warmer clothing, especially if you're going in the summer, because it will be a little bit of a shock to the system for sure. And by warmer, like sleeves. Layers, yeah. Layers. So once we go over everything at Shelter A, we start making our way towards the historic entrance. So we walk from the shelter area behind the visitor center along a paved path. And this kind of takes us into the forest, which begins to curve us around towards the historic entrance. Um, Dave stops, our ranger stops to chat with us about the rocks we are seeing above ground and how the formation of the cave system developed due in large part to the limestone that makes up this entire area. In case you were curious, and didn't already know this. The two of us are most definitely those people who always ask a ton of questions on a tour Mm -hmm. because we're both just so curious. Mm -hmm. I mean, have you, did you hear that this was season six (laughs) of a podcast that involves quite a bit of travel and quite a bit of research and Mm -hmm. quite a bit of curiosity in Mm -hmm. order to even get produced? Um, So we are definitely those people. Mm -hmm. We were those people on this day as well. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Eventually, 
eventually, after winding through the woods for a little bit, we make our way down this paved path to a set of stairs, which curves into the large cave mouth, which is the historic entrance. It's a double set of stairs. So as we're going down the steps, there are groups coming up the other side of the steps. Once at the bottom of the steps, there is like a long kind of corridor here. There's like an airlock beyond that. And a lot of this is due to the fact that the rangers and the national parks are actively trying to protect and preserve these spaces for future generations. So, That's right. And you'll learn as we go into the cave, there's a lot of reason, especially in Mammoth Cave and especially in caves in general, why that is the case. We entered through the cave mouth and we traveled down the, the paved corridor and then we pass finally into this like fairly large chamber that is well lit. And with that, let's take our first break. So we're playing Drop In. So Drop In is a new game that we came up with this summer. Yes. Um, It's like it sort of lives in the world of before and after. mm -hmm. However, it's not a before and after. A before and after would be a Kerry Washington Monument. Mm -hmm. Um, Kerry Washington, Washington Monument. Correct. Mm -hmm. What uh, What is a Drop In? So drop-in is like a phrase that's dropped in typically between two words. Um, or, or or one phrase dropped inside of another phrase. Yes. So for example, this actress who was the star of The Flying Nun, who appeared in um, Mrs. Lincoln, Mrs. Doubtfire, and Forrest Gump, with the phrase um, that a football coach might tell his players in order to get another down. A touchdown. Another touchdown. Well, to get another, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. or get a down. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Look at us uh-huh. using our sport terms <laughs> that we know. Um, and the answer That's all would, from queer trauma. <laughs> correct, queer trauma. Mm-hmm. Things we were forced to know in mm-hmm. order to survive. The answer would be... Sally, get the ball down the field. Right, so, so Sally, Sally Field is her name, yeah. but get the ball down the field is a phrase, and it's sort of like you just pry open the space between Sally and Field, and you drop in, get the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I've got three. So Dusty's going to play this game with me, because I'm tired, and he's got three, and I got none. Great. Good. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so the movie that gave us Anne Hathaway with this animated film by Studio Ghibli dropped in. What is Princess Mononoke Diaries? Correct. Well, what is The Princess Princess Mononoke Mononoke Diaries? Diaries. Correct. Mm -hmm. Look at you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's another one. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right. So this novel by our favorite queer sister, Oscar Wilde, (laughs) this gothic novel Mm -hmm. by Oscar Wilde with this actress star of Dirty Dancing dropped in. What is the portrait of Dorian Jennifer Grey? Very close. What is the picture of Dorian Jennifer Grey? Mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Dorian Jennifer Grey <laughs> is what I imagine that character's full name is. Mm-hmm. And that just feels very queer to be like, Dorian Jennifer Grey. Mm-hmm. I need you to look at yourself right now mm-hmm. because you're looking old mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're not actually old. Well, I feel like Dorian Gray could easily be Dorian Gray, like as a drag queen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. or a Dorian Gray. A Dorian Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's it, very easy to do that. Yeah. Okay, great. And then finally, the third one. Are great. you ready? Yep. This is an almost drop in okay which means it sounds like it works but the spelling isn't exactly correct okay this iconic meryl streep and hathaway emily blunt film about the fashion industry with a children's book series dropped in the children's book series being not one that has a plot not one that has a story but one that has a tall man that you need to find <laughs> what what is the devil wears Waldo Prada? There you go. <laughs> the devil wears Waldo Prada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's now Waldo Prada sounds like its own thing. It sounds like the kind of Prada that you get at Costco. <laughs> You know what? Go check the Waldo Prada table mm-hmm. because I bet you there's some real, there's some couture over there. I'm sure, <laughs> right, right next to the bag of deli meat, <laughs> <laughs> and that's dropping. 
Holy cow, this is a gigantic cave. Now, we had done Wind Cave prior to coming to Mammoth Cave, and we're not trying to talk too much about Wind Cave because we have episodes on that later in the season, but the distinction could not be clearer here. Oh, yeah. Um, Totally different experiences. um, Amazing. So the first space that we enter into after passing through the historic entrance is called the Rotunda, and this is just incredibly massive. It's one of the first branches of the cave um, and it's very well lit so you're essentially able to see the enormity of everything and when I say branches just think about like the branches of a tree there are different kind of paths that one could travel in the cave depending on what particular tour one is doing and so the rotunda is sort of like a launch pad kind of hub spot for other arms of the cave system. I think it is important here to sort of talk about a little bit why Mammoth Cave has its name. The reason Mammoth Cave is called Mammoth Cave is because um, at in this area of land, also called Kentucky, there are so many underground caves. Mm-hmm. Due um, to the geology of the area. Due to the geology, exactly. And then basically what is happening or what has happened over the course of many, many years is a lot of cave systems, which is what they call caves that are connected to each other, have all started to be discovered to be connected. And so the Mammoth Cave System, which is what is protected here by the National Park Service, is over 400 miles long. Mm -hmm. That means 400 miles of cave. Yeah. Under the ground that is all connected in one system. Yeah, it's wild. And when you go on a tour you scratch of the, the river sticks, you see all 400 miles yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. I say it's a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, no, obviously, you're only touring like a tiny little yeah. blip of an area right. that like is big enough for people to visit. And, yeah, safely accessible. Safely accessible. Mm-hmm. They have added, you know, railings where they needed to go. They have made sure that there's the correct amount of accessibility so that people can see different spots of it. And like all of that is part of the National Park Service's mission to make sure that it can be accessed by people. But this is what they call the historic entrance. Mm -hmm. And it is a very large, huge area. There are many other, many other entrances to Mammoth Cave. This is just one of them. Mm -hmm. In the Rotunda area, there are some monuments here, which are off to the side behind some railings, as Dusty had mentioned. And there are some placards off to the side here and there as well. Uh, The space is lit with both white and orange light, which provides for a lot of interesting contrast as we're walking through this section of the cave. The lighting shifts a lot as we go through the cave and specifically on the River Sticks tour. As we walk around this area, Ranger Dave is great about giving us context for different things and also just letting us like look and take everything in. We continue to walk through this large tube known as Broadway. The striations in the rock and then also in the ceiling are so incredible here. One might think that this area of cave in particular was sort of bored out by humans and made larger because of, you know, our interest in getting inside, but um, it's not, it's all nature. That's right, baby. Broadway has a lot of what looks like tumbled or loose rock on the sides of the quote-unquote trail. It's like a path that we're on, essentially. And, and it almost looks like there was a rock slide here. And I don't think we asked about this when we were on the tour, but it's my assumption that the smooth path that we were walking on was not always smooth and that it looked very much so like this loose rock covering we were seeing onto the side and that most of that loose rock covering that we're seeing is also stuff that used to be where the path now is, that it was just kind of moved over. Because I'm assuming they weren't carting too much of the cave out and they wanted to try to maintain as much of the natural splendor of the cave and its natural state rather than disturbing too much. And they've already had to disturb a little bit to make the pathways clear for people to be 
you know, accessible in this space. We continue on to Gothic Avenue, which is another large section of the cave. It continues to be like huge and impressive and enormous and like the scale of this like enormous like subterranean space. So like what would you compare this to as far as size? For me, it's funny, like it's a funny reference. I feel like it almost felt like being in like the Louvre or like in a cathedral somewhere and like looking like the Louvre, there's parts of the Louvre that are just massive. For Um, those privileged enough to have gone to the Louvre. Okay, well, sure. (laughs) Jesus Christ, throw me under the bus of, you know, Mm -hmm. everything. So it feels very much so like a cathedral. For those privileged enough to have been to a cathedral. Yeah, that's how you sounded. Mm-hmm. Old and dusty. Well, <laughs> it's in the <laughs> name, girl. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, and especially the dramatic lighting really, I feel like, played into that here. The lighting that the Park Service had set up, like, helped you to really take in the space and give it pageantry, too. Yeah, it certainly did all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like walking in this giant long tube. Mm-hmm. And, um... I definitely agree with you regarding cathedral, Mm -hmm. right? Or like, it's just enormous and enclosed and like over your head. Yeah. You know? It's vaulted, essentially. Vaulted. Was the lighting nerd in you just exploding here? Oh, it was. Because like, you don't, I mean, and that's the thing, like, it's... You don't have to do much work in order to like highlight just how fascinating and mm-hmm. beautiful and um, intricate like all of the twists and turns of these walls are. Yeah, and they are all from water. Amazing, mm-hmm. and it's all water, yep. all erosion, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Brought to you by Erosion <laughs> yet again. Continues. Um, Our sponsorship from Erosion <laughs> yes, continues. Seriously. We continue walking down this long tube. And I really enjoyed the fact that while on this tour, while both rangers really answered questions and, you know, were there to kind of just spout information, you know, that one would give on a tour, there was plenty of time for us to just kind of take everything in and just gawk at the cave itself. And really, most of the time when we were stopping, it was in spaces that were large enough so that the rangers could address all of us at once. There was a lot of just walking and wandering and being curious about the cave system. As we continue down this hallway, we eventually end up at the giant's coffin. Now, caves are... Where giants are buried. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, giants are this real. Was, this was the Jack and the Beanstalk giant. It's true. Not to be confused with the other giants Mm-mm. from other fairy tales. Mm-hmm. When you're way up high in the world below. There we go. <laughs> um, we don't exactly know how each one of these got its name, but the rule of thumb tends to be when a new piece of cave is found, whoever was looking for it, or, you know, like Stumbles if it hadn't it. been named yet, yeah. Then, then that person gets to name it, and that's what it gets named on the map rights. or whatever naming all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of spots in caves that end up getting named is what I have gleaned from mm-hmm. my experience in caves. So we had come upon the giant's coffin mm-hmm. and it is a gigantic boulder. It is 48 feet by 20 feet by eight feet. It's really wild to see like this giant rock inside of this already enormously cavernous space. But it was even more interesting to see names scrawled into the surface of it. Mm-hmm. And as we continued yeah. past the coffin, we start to see more names scrawled into the rock. And some are etched in with other stones, while others are created through candle smoke, which leaves stained writings on the cave ceiling. Dave talked about this practice, some of which was done by early cave explorers to mark and map the cave, while much of it was natural vandalism, like carving your name into a tree trunk, something the both of us hate vehemently. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all, like, tattoo yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't tattoo a cave wall. Or and a tree. don't tattoo a tree. Yeah. From here, we head deeper into the cave, and this is where things start to get even more interesting, because we start to leave the very wide, grandiose passages behind, and instead, we find ourselves in a series of much smaller, tighter passages. Now, all of this to say, we definitely weren't feeling claustrophobia too much. I guess one might feel it a little more in Wind Cave. Yeah. Than, than here in Mammoth Cave. Mm-hmm. We did pass through a section named Fat Man's Misery. There was another section known as Tall Man's Misery, which the two of us definitely had to squat to walk through. Mm-hmm. So these 
passages in the cave definitely felt a little eerier and spookier. Mm-hmm. And then they definitely like a theremin. What is it called? The what's the instrument? Theremin. Theremin. No. You need to play like a theremin here. <laughs> exactly. <Right. laughs> and then uh, the a thermond. <laughs> Thermon <laughs> is from New River Gorge. Mm-hmm. But the lighting here was so cool because they were definitely leaning into it, and it was like very orange and yellow lighting, and mm-hmm. like it was um you know we could see the historic writing i think that's probably why like i think that white light would probably be more difficult to see the writing mm-hmm. like just because it's so glaringly like blinding um yeah. and that the yellow and the orange light gives a little bit more visibility to those things that oh, was sure. that's my assumption as far as why you know the cave lighting is like that there but it definitely has a different feel here oh it's and it, was it sets nice. the mood yeah it definitely mm-hmm. sets the mood mm-hmm. and careless whisper plays <laughs> as we're walking through these narrower sections we do eventually lead back into these larger passages which will eventually take us down to river hall and with that let's take our next break ladies and gentle them please welcome to the stage Heidi evacuate Heidi evacuate mm-hmm. okay so this is the section of our show called Drag Corner. If you're joining us for the first time, we do invent drag names while we are on trails. It's one of our favorite games. We do have a list. It's at 1,500 names now. We. And, that's um, six seasons worth of names. Yeah. And previous to seasons, And previous too. to yeah. seasons, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that list has been going for a long time. Yeah. We invent a drag queen every episode. And bring them to life. That's right. And mm-hmm. today's drag queen is Heidi Vacuum. Heidi Vacuate. Heidi Vacuate. Mm-hmm. Heidi Vacuate is a, um, she's like the floor fire marshal. <laughs> oh, I love it. And she's responsible for all of the um, the safe schools trainings mm-hmm. that you have to do <laughs> regarding Hold on. Did everything. you have one of those sashes? And were, was that you? I was, a, I was a bike safety in elementary school, which meant that like I was responsible for making sure that kids who were biking could like get clear of the driveway. So, oh, I see. Yeah. So this is where the sort of like control complex comes wow, from. Wow, we are really just, you're going to find <laughs> your wigs filled with shrimp. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm but just yeah, you setting had you a up. Little, you had a little badge, mm-hmm. you had a little sash, mm-hmm. it buckled mm-hmm. with, uh-huh. Yep. Oh, I see it all. Great. Yep. I see That's it all. It. Well, you put it on you and not see that shrimp when it's pouring down your face. Sense of just authority like just carry. came out. Mm-hmm. Bucket full of shrimp's blood. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you here, but I like the idea of like a um of a floor fire marshal mm-hmm. being like <laughs> being like a inspiration for drag mm-hmm, queen mm-hmm. listen anything can be an inspiration for drag queen but um fire safety and evacuation safety i think is a great place to right? get inspiration yeah. for a drag queen i feel like one of her looks is gonna be like that blanket material that's like tinfoily yeah that like is to mylar like keep, that keeps you warm after like yeah. you know you've been through a traumatic experience mm-hmm. like i feel like that's a great like look I needed like I one feel, of those in elementary school I feel like it's like it actually is a flip down gown like it's all bustled up into a skirt that's like neon yellow and then like like there's a moment where like maybe it's like a Katniss Everdeen this girl is on fire and oh, <laughs> like the gown that. drops I would also like a <laughs> wig reveal sure. from something like that's a down do mm-hmm. like that or that's like long and flowy mm-hmm. and then it reveals into like basically just like a flame mm. not like a real flame sure, but like sure, in the sure. shape of a flame like, like pink's old. hair yeah kind of like yeah. that but like tall and fuller mm. oh yeah interesting I'd have to maybe inflate. Okay, so this girl is on fire. Mm-hmm. That's a great. That's a great lip sync song. That's a great lip sync song. Mm-hmm. What would her merch be? I think her merch would be like tiny little fire extinguishers that like would actually be like seltzer sprayers. <laughs> are they seltzer sprayers or are they like um like breath freshener? Oh, banaca. Yeah, is that <laughs> what it's called? Yeah, banaca. Yeah. What's that? It's a like a it's like an alcohol based spray that freshens your breath. I've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Banaka. <laughs> I mean don't, she's a queen. Don't banaka until you try it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right? I'm pretty sure it's banaka. Now I've got to look. Yeah, banaka spray. <laughs> 
put her on the list. <laughs> put her on the list. Banaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Banaka Spray. I think her last name is S-P-R-A-E. Mm-hmm. Banaka Spray. Or S-P-R-E with an X, with, E with like a, an accent, accent mark mm-hmm. on the top of it. Mm-hmm. Spray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Banaka Spray. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So maybe Banaka Spray is the opener for Heidi Evacuate. <laughs> I yeah. like it. I love and it. And they have joint merch. Mm-hmm. They do. They do because Banaka Spray would be sponsored by Banaka, Banaka. Spray. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the shape of it would then be a little fire extinguisher. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, I want Heidi Evacuate to be that fire extinguisher. Uh. Like, it's like it's a functioning fire extinguisher as a spray. There's this a hat wearing a hat wearing a hat. Yeah. But a functional fire extinguisher that's small as a Banaka Spray. But I want instead of the actual actual shape of an extinguisher it is Heidi Evacuate hmm. in what appears to be a costume that looks like fire extinguisher uh, <laughs> you really <laughs> that is layers it is yeah but, but it works know, we can have it we that's want it right. Mm-hmm. that's right that's right that's right mm-hmm. so Thades and gentlemen we know what downs are <laughs> all because of it <laughs> welcome to the stage Heidi Evacuate Okay, so after a little more walking, we make our way into River Hall. This is essentially like a sloped room. And it's kind of like on the medium size as it leads down to an overlook to the river. And we say medium as compared to like Broadway the other or, giant you know, yeah. like cave parts of this mm-hmm, cave. Mm-hmm. But bigger than Fat Man's um, misery. misery and, and Tall, tall Man's, man's misery. misery. Mm-hmm. So as we enter into this hall, there's a series of benches that the entirety of the tour is able to sit on and, and fit onto. And so this allows for a little bit of rest and also some time to talk about the cave and the geology of the system. And I know we keep referencing that, but we're going to have a whole episode where we really kind of dive into that um, when Bruce is on. So I'm not diving too deeply here. We learn about a little bit more about what karst terrain is, which is essentially what the cave system is made of. Mm-hmm. Um, and the flow of groundwater. Mm-hmm. We learn about the space that we are sitting in that it actually does flood. It's one of the parts of the cave that does flood. And so there's behind us as we're sitting, there's a ladder to kind of climb up and there's a marker on that. I remember them pointing out like where the high water was at a specific point. So this room does essentially fill with water if conditions are right, essentially. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So River Hall is the convergent point of two parts of the river system. Uh, The ceiling here has has this interesting relief to it and it is also very well lit and it almost looks like ripples across pool water at night when like a pool like light is on. For those of us who are so privileged to have a pool light that they've experienced at night. I guess so. I mean, you wrote this mm-hmm. here. So. I knew that this was all just come back uh-huh. on me. But, I mean, you know. we're, uh, your honor, she's reaching. <laughs> she's reaching. Now I'm just being, okay. you know, no, I, vicious. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, you are. Yeah. You are. And she's if you didn't reaching. notice, I have my sash and my badge on. Right you now. do. Yes, you do. You mm-hmm. have your hallway yep. monitor That's sash right. on. Mm-hmm. And you're like, get back to class <laughs> or I'm writing you a note. <laughs> so after sitting here for a bit, we're given flashlights and lanterns and we proceed further down to the river area. And this just looks like essentially a pool at the bottom of a pit, but it is in fact flowing water. Uh, there's a railing here that continues further and further down a sloped ledge and along this pool. This is where Dave tells us that there is a sunken boat here and we're all directed to point our lights at the boat in the water so we can kind of get a better look at it just below the surface of the water here. I don't truly can't remember how the boat got there, but I imagine it was from an exploration of the cave. Obviously, the cave system, again, water fluctuates here. The water was particularly high in this sort of pool area that we were seeing, but I'm sure at other points it's lower and there are sections that you're able to get underneath what was viewed as like the edge of the pool here. But that's not something that we were able to see at this point. Also, Dave took a moment here because it's particularly echoey here mm-hmm. in this part of the cave. And he was like, you can harmonize with yourself. It's the only place where you can harmonize with yourself. So he like threw out like three notes 
really loudly. Mm-hmm. And then you could hear the echo of all three and like all three were in harmony together, mm-hmm. right? So he like made a chord. So we all did that together. Mm-hmm. This is also a point where Dave is like, we're going to turn off all the lights. You're going to turn off your lanterns and we're going to experience what true dark really is. Well, um, you know what that is every day of your life, every night of your life. That's right. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. the darkness lives within me. You know, at an appointed moment, everybody here turns off their lantern or flashlight and we stand in the total dark. I believe what he had us do first is actually shut our eyes so we could kind of acclimate to what it was like to be dark. Then before doing this, figure out where the switch on the lantern or the flashlight was so we could turn it off, turn off the lamp and then open our eyes in the dark. And it was, I mean, it's the void I stare into every day. Yeah. So. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. complete and total... Mm -hmm. Sensory deprivation. Darkness. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Yeah, like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, like even if you tried. So It was really cool. Yeah. Um, I liked it very much because... um, Because you know me. (laughs) I do know you. And also it's like, you know, they talk about how like it's kind of hard to find like true silence, right? I feel like it's also hard to find true darkness Mm -hmm. unless... You have a friend like you. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. Or you're down in the underground. Right. So eventually we turn the lights back on and we make our moves to head back up to River Hall, which is where we return the lanterns and flashlights. From here, we um, continue to make our way to a juncture point of Sparks Avenue. There are some steps here and more of like a moody orange lighting lining our path. Um, And then this takes us to a gigantic vertical shaft known as the Mammoth Dome. So this is essentially the last leg of the tour that we're on right now. And there are some pretty spectacular views, um, including what is known as the Ruins of Karnak. Theremin sound. Theremin sound. The ruins of Karnak is essentially what is the power of water eroding the walls of this giant shaft um, and creating what look like temple columns. Um, And it's wild to see. There were some incredible formations throughout the cave, but this is where I really feel like you sort of get that. It's not stalactites, but it kind of feels like it. Like it's that kind of like drippy, castle-y kind of feel. Yeah. Where we're really seeing that in the cave here. The wall is just very impressive of limestone carving and it's really just all done through the power of water. Erosion strikes again everybody. But the impressive human made feature here is the tower which is a set of metal stairs which takes you back up to the level of the rotunda which is 200 feet in height. So it's metal stairs that sort of like go circular around. Well not it's not like a spiral staircase but yeah no, it's like but a, it's like, it it's goes, like a fire tower kind of staircase. It's like a fire tower mm-hmm. it's sort of like that. Yeah. It's like straight up for 200 feet. And how did that make you feel honestly like it was a sturdy structure so that that didn't make me feel so antsy no no not at all now there were times earlier in this like walk through you know like this river sticks tour where like we would pass other shafts Mm -hmm. and then like you could look down and see just like this long drop i mean it was like a narrow drop like bottomless pit Mm and things like that that were that was terrifying to me and i just was like thank god this is only like four feet of this like walkway right now yeah you know so Mm -hmm. um and it was one of those like if you didn't look down you'd miss it yeah you know what i mean so this was certainly like more heights but I didn't find this to be any kind of terror inducing circumstance mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. The top of the tower we're basically on a viewing platform where everybody's able to congregate and this is where you're able to get a very close up view of Mammoth Dome. Like we're not that far from the ceiling comparatively from the bottom of the cave or the bottom of the shaft that we were in. So it's really interesting. I feel like it's with the exception of the small narrow sections of the cave as far as a larger section this is the closest we are to one of those vaulted ceilings so it was really really neat to see that so from here we continue on to an area called audubon avenue and it brings us back to the wide open spaces from the start of the journey where we were in the beginning when we reach the connection point at the end brings us back into the rotunda space and then while we're here, Dave 
cave goes over some more about the cave, including the historic uses from indigenous people who made home in the cave to the experimental treatment of tuberculosis that they used the cave for much later. To cave explorers. Um, so he touched on a lot. I mean, it's, it was a lot to digest in the hour and a half that we were with him. After making it through the rotunda, we walked back through the main entrance of the cave. This time we had to stop and wipe our shoes on soap pads, which helped to combat white nose syndrome in bats. So that was something that is very important, especially here at Mammoth Cave, trying to stop the spread of this white nose syndrome, which is a fungus in bats and having that transfer from bats in different areas. So that was sort of our our way out through the airlock is over soap pads. And we essentially continue through that corridor that we started at the historic entrance with the rest of the group and made our way up to the stairs, which is where we were supposed to meet Bruce, who we were meeting for the very first time. Let's put this tour on the Karen Stone scale. And I know it's a tour, but I do feel like there was quite a bit of walking involved Mm -hmm. and there was quite a bit of climbing stairs involved. So I do feel like it deserves to be put on there somehow. Okay. I'm going to give it a four. I was going to say three. So in a very similar neighborhood. Seven out of 20 Karen Stones. Yeah. For the most part, it's very flat. It's, you know, very walkable. There are some tight squeezes. There are some, you know, the tower is pretty, you know, big. But for the most part, it's not treacherous terrain, I didn't find. So now it would be fun to come up with a tour specific drag name. Right. That rates sort of like the context and historical information one gets mm-hmm. on a tour. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to come up with her name. What's what's a good name? I feel like it has to it has to do with like learning and and exploration and knowledge and um deep diving like the miss frizzle of it all yeah miss frizzle came to mind but frizz missile <laughs> no, no i don't know if it's going to be something that's decided today it will have to come to us organically i guess so not to be forced yeah because mm-hmm. karen stone came to us organically she did yeah. All right, we'll allow her to show up when it's her time. Yeah. And now, let's end this episode with some Jeopardy-style trivia. And for the folks who are joining us for the first time, first of all, I do. can we just take a moment? There are so many of you who listen to our show every single week, and um, we see it, and we see you, and we want to thank you. Yeah. We want to thank you so much for continuing to go on this journey with us. Absolutely. We want you to know that it's part of the reason why we do this mm-hmm. is because we do feel like we have like a, a back and forth with you all. We love hearing from you. We love going on uh, your day with you, whether yeah. that's like, you know, if you're, you know, driving to work or you're on a walk, maybe you're outside, maybe you're doing the dishes, maybe you're putting stuff away, maybe you are, you know, uh, running errands, whatever it is. We deeply appreciate the fact that you've taken us with you on that. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that means the world to us mm-hmm. entirely. Part of our organic, uh, the organic fun that has always been sort of present in our friendship is our love for games and writing games and, um, We both write Jeopardy games, which is why at the end of every episode, we end with two categories of Jeopardy style trivia. It's true. Because we do love Jeopardy. We do. So I write a category, Mike writes a category, and then um, we see how many the other can get. Yeah. So, Mike, I think I want to get us started tonight. Great. All right. Shall we? Tonight, today, whatever time you're listening. Whatever time you're listening. Okay. Are you ready? Mm hmm. Okay. So, my category is called Sticks in Song. Great. So, this category is inspired by the band Sticks. Great. I'm glad I avoided this as a category because it was something I was thinking about too. But obviously, it could have been Sticks in Mythology, Sticks in Stones. Right. There could have been so many Sticks related. So, here's how this category is going to work. Okay. Is I'm going to give you the lyrics. Okay. From one of Stick's top 10 hits. They only had eight of them. And then I'm going to give you a ton of clues 
to try and get you to guess the title of the song. Great. Some are easier than others. Sure. Okay, but are you ready? Mm-hmm. For 100. On board, I'm a captain, so climb aboard. We'll search for tomorrow <laughs> on every shore. What was that? Bo- on board, I'm a captain, so climb aboard. It's the, like, we're uh-huh. birds of a feather, we stick together of my oh, guy. Oh, like, it's you're like thinking the about... the parallelism um, of it, yeah. Uh-huh. Um... I'm sticking to my guy yeah. like a stamp to a letter, a, like a stamp to a letter, like birds of a feather. We stick, stick together. together. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, a word always rhymes with yeah, itself. It's true. Right? So on board, I'm a captain. So climb upward. We'll search for tomorrow on every shore and I'll try. Oh, Lord, I'll try to carry on. Our lyrics from this song that peaked at number eight on the charts in 1977 and whose title sounds like something Popeye might shout to olive oil from the deck of a boat. What is Come Sail Away? That is correct. Come sail away with me. That's right. I do love that song. For 200. Gathering of angels. (laughs) Exactly. For 200. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you feel these are the worst of times. I do believe it's true. When people lock their doors and hide inside, rumor has it, it's the end of paradise. But I know if the world just passed us by. Our lyrics from this song that peaked at number three in 1990 and has a title that serves as the antithesis of the first line of lyric in that selection. And is also a reference to Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities opening line. What is the worst of times? Antith- what is the best of times? There you go. Sorry, what I couldn't remember what you said. The best of times. It's, I know you feel these are the worst of right. times, was the line. So yes, the best of times is correct. For 300. But I'll be lonely without you, and I'll need your love to see me through. So please believe me, my heart is in your hand, and I'll be missing you. Our lyrics from this song by Styx that peaked at number one, their only number one hit, Mm. for, I think it's their only number one, one of their only number one hits, it might be their only one, for two weeks in 1979, and has a title that is reminiscent of a book about a herding pig by author Dick King Smith. What that is Babe? Later became a film. What is Babe? Correct. Yeah. Babe. That's right. And that's my favorite. And for 400, I've got a secret. I've been hiding under my skin. My heart is human. My blood is boiling. My brain, IBM. So if you see me acting strangely, don't be surprised. I'm just a man who needed someone and somewhere to hide to keep me alive. Our lyrics from this stick song that peaked at number three in 1983 and has a chorus whose first line starts with the Japanese phrase, domo erigato. What is Mr. Roboto? Correct. Yeah. Can't believe that wasn't higher. I know. Secret, secret. I got a secret. That's right. Mm-hmm. And finally for 500. God, I know so much sticks. <laughs> right? Right. Sticks sing a lot. They did. Right? Yeah. For 500. When you're with me, I'm smiling. Give me all your love. Your hands build me up when I'm sinking. Just touch me and my troubles fade. Our lyrics from this sticks song that peaked at number six in 1974 and has a title... That could have been inspired by the other word in the name of a current reigning pop diva whose second name is inspired by a Queen song. <laughs> I, uh, that's a lot of clue right there. Uh-huh. You can get it, though. Put it together. Pop diva who has two names or two words in her name, I should say. First word and second word. The second word is inspired by a Queen song. And that's the song I'm looking for? No, no, you're looking for the other word. What's the Queen song? It's, is it Megan Thee Stallion? <laughs> I've got nothing. Who is the pop diva from Chromatica? Oh, who's Lady second Gaga. word? Okay, Lady. Thank you. The answer is Lady. Okay, well, pardon me. There's a very large library of Queen songs, including Stallion. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yep. yep Stallion. It. Mm-hmm. Megan V. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Well, it's your turn. Lady. Now. Okay. Well, my category is titled Mammoth Dome, and this is all about bald men of Hollywood. Oh. Great. Inspired by Mammoth Dome, which we passed through. I'm ready. Great. 
For 100, the glistening head of this mammoth dome belongs to the actor who portrayed Jean-Luc Picard, head of the USS Enterprise in Star Trek. Who is Patrick Stewart? That's correct, for 200. While in his wrestling days as The Rock, this now actor still sported a head full of follicles, but as his acting career has grown, his baldness has become more prominent. Who is the actor? is Dwayne Johnson? That's correct. You talked about him today. That's right. For 300, this critically acclaimed actor found his way into the Star Wars universe as the first actor of color playing not just voicing a Jedi. Replete with a purple lightsaber and a gleaming dome, his character, Mace Windu, was a fan favorite. Who is Samuel L. Jackson? Mm -hmm. Yes. For 400, this Oz actor turned Law & Order actor turned the closer actor who also played an abusive music teacher in the film Whiplash sports a pretty good dome through many of his roles. He was in Oz? I'm pretty sure. I feel like you're getting two people confused, but I could be wrong. This person might have just been in all of those things. Yeah, he was in Oz. Yep. So, um, uh, so it's not Stabler. No. Think about the film Whiplash. Right. I know. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the actor. Sorry, yeah. but you're, you said this actor was in... Law and Order, and also Oz. But and the so closer. is Stabler. Yeah. And he's also bald. Yeah. Now, but yeah. not Stabler. It's not Christopher Maloney. No, it's not Christopher Maloney. Daddy Maloney. No, this is, and I can't remember his name right now. He's a very good actor, but I don't remember his name. Who is J.K. Simmons? J.K. Simmons. Mm-hmm. Perhaps best known for his role as Rose's awful fiance in the film Tiant. Tionic? <laughs> In the film Titanic, this actor, who sported hair for his role as Cal, later shows up bald in the film Zoolander, where he has a small cameo playing himself. Who is Billy the Zane? (laughs) Is Billy the Zane, (laughs) exactly. And that's Mammoth Dome. This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Justin Ballard, and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. To find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, Gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram on our website and in the gay shop is by me michael ryan all original music was written and performed by dave seaman and mariella klinger with sean scleos on guitar our music producer is skylar fortgang this episode was edited by me dustin ballard we would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the lenape people also known as ocean county new jersey 